ladies and gentlemen. Yes, so it's been very interesting and quite synchronistic coming across this research of Attila Flink and the connections that he made and the stories that he found in the journals of the explorers in Australia. The stories of the original people being smeared with smallpox, the stories of how the British would send originally Magyar language speakers ashore to speak with tribes all around the coast of Australia. Whenever the tribes they would speak to would understand the language, the Crown would then wipe them out. It's all very, very interesting stories. It all makes a lot of sense. And of course, the final nail in the language coffin in Australia was when the Crown carried out the stolen generation operation where children were actually separated from their parents and fostered with white families and forced to speak English and not their traditional tribal languages. You know, looking at things this way and seeing a different motivation in the actions of the Crown and how it was really all about destroying all trace of any connection to the past, it really does begin to make a lot of sense when you start putting things in this context and considering this as being a possibility. And again, it's just pulling at the threads, ladies and gentlemen, because when you start pulling at these threads, well, the language seems to be the common denominator that connects all of the genocides that were happening to all of the different cultures all around the world at the hands of the European invaders. And it's quite interesting, really, because the sheer pompous, arrogant attitude of some of the British invaders at the time when they were invading Australia really did lead to their downfall when you look at the language, because... Because most of the Australian originally languages were translated by a man called Joseph Milligan. And his arrogance and his pompous attitude actually led to the real story being hidden within the translations that he made. And then, perchance, the actions of an immigrant builder from Hungary who happened to be a linguist as a hobby, getting access to these translations. I mean, it's pretty random that this would happen. And that the man who gets access to the translations, that his language would have its roots in the same root language of the Australian Aboriginal people and give him the ability to be able to apply Magyar translations to these names and actually come up with the real story. It's pretty random that this could happen, folks. But the real story is there in the translations by Joseph Milligan. And it's just because of the way the translations were done. Because what Milligan would do, he would get an Aboriginal person there and he would simply point at something and whatever the Aboriginal person said, he would write that down as the translation. And by way of example, there was one occasion where he pointed at a woman's breast. And the reply that came to him was Paragana. And so he wrote down Paragana as being the meaning of a woman's breast. And then he went over to a man and he pointed at a man's chest and he said, Paragana. But the man replied, Pagamaniera. And so he wrote down, okay, Pagamaniera, that means a man's chest. But really when you apply Magyar translations to the words, it means something completely different. When he went over and pointed at the woman's breast, when the man had said Paragana to him, what he had said was, we would prefer the hips. And when he walked over to the man and said Paragana at the man, the man said to him, Pagamaniera which did not mean a man's breast, but actually meant, if you would prefer my hips, then you are despicable and beneath my dignity. And that is just an example of how bad the translations were that Milligan was making. And there are many, many other examples of this. There was quite a famous originating man who was taken to England and paraded before the crown, taken and shown to the world, whose name is Benelong. 
Most people may be familiar with this character. Anyone who's familiar with Australian history should know the name Bennelong. There's a very good possibility that people in England would be aware of the story of Bennelong as well. His name, Bennelong, that was given to him was because when they asked him his name, he just said Bennelong and he just kept saying Bennelong. But Bennelong actually comes from the Aboriginal word Bianalong, which when translated into Magyar means I am kidnapped. And that's what he was saying when they take him somewhere and they say, who is he? He just say, I'm kidnapped. I'm a kidnapped man. And so they gave him the name Benelong. There's another woman, a famous woman in Tasmania, who was given the name Triganini. Triganini is actually a composite word. It's a combination of English and Magyar because of the word true, which is an English word. And she was given that name, Triganini, because she kept saying Triganini, Triganini. When they took her to the courtroom, she kept saying Triganini. But what she was actually saying when you put the Magyar translation to it is, tell the truth what happened to my brothers. Because what had happened when the originally people had arrived on Swan Island, the British had cut their hands and feet off as they were leaving the boats and left them to bleed out and die on the shore. And as it would appear through Flink's research of the Aborigine people of Tasmania had strong Magyar roots in their language, it also becomes quite clear why the Tasmanian Aborigine tribes were genocided so completely. Another very interesting story is a story that comes from handwritten notes where there had been white whalers who had been raping Aborigine women in Tasmania and the chief of the tribe called these whalers Magara Rage. This is another distranslation as where Magara was translated as meaning stop and Rage as meaning white man. But what Magara Rage means when translated correctly is Magyar devil spirit. And this is very, very significant folks because it shows that the Tasmanian Aboriginals already had a reference to white men as Magyar before the British arrived. It's also suggested that when Captain Cook arrived in Hawaii, the reason the Hawaiians were friendly to him at first was because they thought he was related to a Magyar king of the past from Lele in Indonesia. Lele is now an underwater ruin that can be seen off the coast of Indonesia sometimes. And they literally thought when he arrived that he was a god or at least royalty. And so Cook had no option but to go along with it. But when he left, bad weather and rough seas forced him back to Hawaii, forced him back onto the island. And that was when the Hawaiians realised that he wasn't a Magyar, that he was actually an imposter because the Hawaiians are always known for the Magyar, or Maggie as they called them, were master sailors and boatsmen and knew how to sail the seas in any weather. And they also knew that the Magyars used star maps to navigate the world and knew the lands by the star constellations that were above them. Cook obviously couldn't do this, he couldn't navigate by star maps and he couldn't control his vessel in rough seas and so the Hawaiians figured out that he wasn't a Magyar king and so they killed him. Now on the show last week I was making reference to the point that there was very likely a worldwide religion that existed before the reformation of our history, before the world was turned into what it is now that it was very likely a worldwide religion whereby both Islam and Christianity complemented each other. Whether this was simply both religions working in harmony with each other or whether it was simply a pagan religion that 
developed into Christianity and Islam. This is up for debate. Anyone can go down that rubber hole and do the research they want. That's not what I'm here to discuss. But the fact that there was a worldwide religion and that it was known throughout the world very significantly is also revealed through the research that was done by Attila Flink because one of the other translations that he found, one of the translations that was done by Milligan, was when Milligan asked for the translation for the crucifix that he was wearing. Milligan was wearing a crucifix around his neck that depicted Christ on the cross and he pointed at it and he wrote down the word that he was given which was Urupuni. So he wrote down Urupuni for cross. But when translated into Magyar, the word Urupuni means the Lord God for your crime. Now how on earth would an Origini tribesman from Tasmania would be aware of the reference in the Christian faith to the man on the cross being the Lord God for your crime if he was not already aware of the Christian faith because he had encountered it before, because there was a worldwide culture and a worldwide faith accompanied by a worldwide common root language that once existed on this earth not too long ago. And he also had enough memory to know that the white people were Magyar. Now you look at what they've done to destroy regional dialects in all of our countries. You go to Italy, look at all the regional dialects that have been destroyed in Italy. And not just Italy, but that's a good example. I mean, they do it through France, they've done it in the Netherlands, they do it everywhere. Every country you can think of, they bring in a national dialect and they start saying, oh, these little regional dialects are the common folk. You don't want to speak in the common tongue. You want to speak in the new tongue, the national language so that you're up and smart with everybody else. What they do is they remove your connection to source, they remove your connection to the old ways and to the old customs, and they remove your connection to yourself. Now, when you really look at the significance of a worldwide language, and you look at the English language, which is being superimposed over everybody, English is a very disconnecting language. There's no earth in English. There's no way to connect yourself to spirit when you're speaking the English language. But when you look at some of the old tribal languages, these languages connect you to the earth. They connect you to spirit. They connect you to the land that you live on. For example, as was pointed out to me by a friend the other day, the friend who brought me this information, when you're speaking English, you look at the word tree. There's nothing in that word to describe to you what a tree is. There's no feeling of a tree in there. You can't just say tree to someone, they'll know what you're talking about. You have to explain to them what the word means and they have to figure out that that is the meaning of the word. But if you look at tribal languages, they describe the things that they're talking about. They connect you to the spirit of the things they're talking about. And it is very much suspected that were we able to reconnect to a root language that connects us to the earth, we would unlock a lot of powers within ourselves. You know, it's said that by singing certain words in Sanskrit, you can change the colour of a candle flame. And it's even been postulated by some that English is, in fact, a phonetic reversal of the Hebrew language. So when you really start getting into these languages, you start looking at the roots of Hebrew, where that goes back to as well. I mean, this is a very, very deep rabbit hole to go down and nothing that I can bring you on one radio show. There's so much information that I've had coming in in the last few weeks. Really, it has been phenomenal. 
and trying to piece it all together to bring it to you is a bit of a mammoth task but I've got so much to share about this in the next few months once I do put it all together you're just going to have to bear with me on that but it's very very significant finding this work of Attila Flink and finding this language connection because like I said earlier folks what it indicates is that God did not confuse the languages the Jesuits confused the languages when they superimposed this current version of Christianity over the world because it would appear that there was a prior version of Christianity that existed that was very very peaceful and people might say, well, look, Christianity is peaceful now, but hey, look at the world, folks. We're having a lot of wars on account of religion at the moment. And it would appear that all of these wars are completely unnecessary. All of these wars have been contrived by government. And a lot of these wars exist and all of this conflict exists because we've all been removed from our roots. Every single people have been removed from their roots. Everybody. You know, I got a lot of flack last week for suggesting that a lot of this culture that we've got, this ancient culture, came from white races and that the white races shouldn't really be held responsible for what these European invaders done because ultimately, folks, it wasn't races. It was the psychopaths that control the races. And I still agree with that. And when you look at this research, it goes a long way to confirming that there was this ancient culture, that it was a white culture, that it went out and migrated to all these other places, and that it was a Magyar culture. And you see that how there were white tribes living here in Australia. There were white tribes living with the Australian original people, and everyone was getting along fine. The whole world appears to have been getting along fine until something happened that infected the minds of a group of people, possibly those who were living around the region of Tartaria, something happened. There was a war, something happened. Somebody came, something happened to shift our consciousness, to shift the entire world consciousness. And it started at that point, and then it's gone out and infected the rest of the world. But what we need to do is put down all this racial division and all this religious division and all the division that's been pushed on us and realize that something has happened from outside that has changed what we were into what we are now. And the only way we're going to get back there is if we put all of our differences down and realise that we've all been played and realise what's really happened here, how different our history is and how much we need to reconnect to our roots and reconnect to what we really are. We're not going to be able to do this unless we put all of our stuff down because there's a far, far bigger picture here than what most people are looking at. You know, we have been played on so many levels that it's almost impossible for people to see the big picture. That's why you can't be judgmental of people. You can't be out there pushing your belief systems on people. It's time for us to put it all down and walk to freedom, ladies and gentlemen. It's time for us to realise the truth. All humans on this earth are all family. We all have a common ancestor. We are all ultimately each other's kin. And it's time for us to unite as one kin, as one human family. You know, over the last 10 years since I began this radio show, myself and many others have presented an abundant amount of evidence to the world to expose the corruption of our governments, expose the corruption of this system that we're forced to endure in this human experience, and it's been done in an effort to find the truth and to help inspire people to stand up for themselves and step away from a system that they ultimately do not need. And we don't need this government system. This government system creates all of the problems that we face as a human species. It really does. 
And it's because, as I said last week, there are two species here. There are humans and there are those who look like humans, but they are psychopaths and they do not have human qualities and they use all of our human qualities against ourselves. And we've got to put it all down. We've got to realize how we've been played and realize the significance of how big the lie is that encompasses us. How big the lie is in stealing someone's history, what this does to a species. How when you remove the roots of people, you remove their knowledge of who and what they are. You know, even the whole concept that the ancient race that existed was a Magyar race that spoke a Magyar language, and you look at the root of the word Magyar being in Magi, the whole concept of the magician, the whole concept of the powers that we had when we were connected to the earth. When you look at some of the ancient cultures and some of the ancient structures and some of the things that we did, and no, I don't believe that these things were built by alien races. I don't believe that they were built by the gods. I would suggest that we built a lot of this stuff. I would suggest that we were far more connected to this earth than what we are now because we knew who we were. We knew what our relationship to this world was. We knew what our relationship to each other was. But something happened to interfere with that connection. And really when you look at the new history that's been presented by Fomenko. Go and look at some of the monuments that are lying all around the world. And again, I recommend that series by Sylvia Vanova, When the Survivors of Atlantis Wake Up. And again, folks, it doesn't matter whether you disagree with her New Age concepts or you disagree with the fact that she drinks ayahuasca or whatever. Forget all of that stuff. Put it all aside. It doesn't matter what your belief system is. Look at it from a historical perspective and look at the evidence because it's there. And I've gone out and I've seen most of it for myself. So I can verify what she's put in that video is all there. You know, history may seem like an insignificant thing to people. Whatever happened in the past is in the past and it doesn't matter. But it does matter. It is extremely significant. And I urge people to get involved and to find out about the past and to find out what happened. And to consider what we could achieve if everybody woke up to what the reality of this situation is. You know, if everybody were to realize how different our history really is and that we were living in a peaceful culture not too long ago, it would change everything. And for those people who ridicule that statement, how could you say that we lived in a world without war? Well, what you're looking at are history books that have been given to you by the people who control things now. And you have no way of verifying any of them. Because when you go and look around the world, there's nothing to verify the modern Scaligarian version of history, the modern academic version of history that we're all taught. There's actually nothing to confirm that any of it's true. Sure, we've got monuments lying all around the place, but there's no way to date them effectively. Carbon dating is completely ineffective simply because of the way they do it and the reference points that they choose to use to begin with, which can no way be confirmed. So there's really no way for us to confirm the age of anything that we're told. All we know is what we're told. But if you go out and you look around the world, as I keep saying, the evidence tells a completely different story. And the discovery of this work by Attila Flink, again, opens up an entire new perspective of what really happened. And I know it might be very confrontational for people to even consider some of the stuff that I've shared with you today. It may be very confrontational for Christians to consider this, the thought that perhaps Genesis 17.11 is wrong. 
the concept that perhaps it wasn't God who confused the language, that perhaps it was the Jesuits. But like I said, folks, I'm just pulling the threads and seeing where they lead. And if it is possible that there was a version of Christianity that existed before the Jesuits got hold of it, and that Christianity and Islam were living in a peaceful situation together with no war, isn't that something worth considering? Personally, I think it is. You know, and even when you look at some of the original Christian ceremonies, some of the original Islamic ceremonies, these all involved incense and smoke and all of this sort of stuff. You look at some of the shamanistic ceremonies, they all involve incense and smoke as well. None of them really involve blood sacrifice, so you've got to wonder where that came from, how that was ever introduced into the Christian faith, and what sort of a god would be asking for a blood sacrifice? Where did that come from? I could point at another religion that has gone so far unmentioned on all of these shows that I've been talking about history, but I think you know the religion that I'm pointing at. But I want to sort of do that without really pointing the finger at anybody. I just want to let the cards fall where they may, and I don't wish to suggest that anybody might be the problem. I just want to put all the evidence out there and pull the threads and encourage other people to pull the threads as well and see where they lead. But there is another faith that does involve itself in blood sacrifice quite often, and it would appear that that faith has superimposed itself over the other two faiths and cause these other two faiths to war with each other. Again, divide and conquer is the motto. Get the species to kill each other, get the races to kill each other, get the faiths to kill each other. And this is what's been done to us on so many levels, and it's what's been done to us now through this political system, through this whole intermingling of cultures that's happened as well. You know, multiculturalism isn't about sharing cultures with each other, it's about homogenizing the human race and creating sectarian sections within cities that can be played off against each other, which is what's been done. And we've got to put all of this stuff down and realize just how big this deception is and how much we've been played, ladies and gentlemen. You know, there's so much information that's coming out now. There's so many people that have been looking into ancient history for so long now. So many people have exposed the enormous amount of ruins that are lying all over the world so there should be no doubt in anybody's mind that there was this ancient culture that was there i mean it can't be just written off anymore you can't have mainstream academics just saying well the lost civilization theory it doesn't hold any water there are literally ruins everywhere dating far far back than what anybody would ever believe and that's the thing with even what i'm saying with the timeline being changed and bringing things a lot closer to the present I'm not saying that these things didn't exist in ancient antiquity. All I'm suggesting is that they weren't destroyed in ancient antiquity. I mean, sure, there's probably some cultures that were. I mean, the pyramids look pretty old. The Sphinx looks pretty old. There's certainly a lot of water erosion on that. Perhaps that culture fell into decline way back in the beginning of when things started falling into decline. But other cultures, such as the South American cultures and the ruins around Rome and Greece, these don't look that old. And there's every indication that whatever the civilization that was, that was here, that began in ancient antiquity, actually existed up until quite recently. And then there was a concerted effort to wipe this civilization out worldwide, and not only wipe out the civilization, but wipe out all trace of any connection to it 
or making sure they wiped out any connection to the languages as well. And again, when you start looking at some of the things the East India Trading Company did when they went out and they destroyed shamanistic cultures all around the world, when the pirates went out and they raped, pillaged and plundered everywhere, we always assumed that this was just about wiping out their shamanistic traditions. And it's a very indication that they were doing that. But what about factoring in the reality that they were probably searching for the language as well. Because were the language to remain, that would reveal the common connection that all of these cultures once had. And that's something really worth thinking about, folks, because if that's true, then that is something that is very, very significant. And what can I say, folks? Because according to the research that was done by Attila Flink, it is true. This language did exist. This common culture did exist. And the evidence for it is right there in the journals that exist in the Mitchell Library in Sydney, penned by the very people who were carrying out the crimes as they were carrying them out. And that's, again, something worth thinking about. And like I said, there's a lot more of this information. I've only brought you the tip of the iceberg. I'll see what I can do about uncovering a bit more to bring you on some future shows. But unfortunately, we have now reached that time again.